Welcome to LifeCast with Ryan Leak. Uh, this is episode three with my man Peter, and uh, today's episode is a little bit different. And as much as I want to have this like clean cut rhythm and flow for LifeCast, uh, this podcast is about life, and certain things happen, and something happened today. And I called Peter and said, "Man, we 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 definitely need to." to talk about it. So, um, Ahmaud Arbery, we saw this video and we're going to play this video now. You can hear it on the podcast. You can see it on YouTube. And it was just incredibly disturbing. And, and so I called Peter and said, Hey, you know what? We need to, we need to talk about it. Now to a deadly shooting that's inflamed racial tensions in a Georgia community. Tonight, video has surfaced of an African-American man being chased down and killed. His family says he was just out jogging. We should warn you, the video is graphic. Here's CBS's Omar Villafranca. This cell phone video captures the final moments of Ahmaud Arbery's life while he was jogging through this Brunswick, Georgia neighborhood in February. Arbery was confronted by Gregory McMichael and his son, Travis, who shot Arbery twice with a shotgun before the 25-year-old collapsed and died. When I first saw the video, Peter, I was just getting done with a run in my neighborhood. And on Instagram, I started this quarantine routine, run every day in May thing. And I get home from a run and my guy Larry's like, yo, did you see this video? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And I, and I just see this video. I'm just like, I just finished. A, and, and as an African-American running in my neighborhood, if I'm honest, I've never felt unsafe. I know my neighbors, I wave at them. Uh, some of them go to my church. You know, I, I feel very comfortable in my neighborhood. And then the overwhelming emotion that I had for me wasn't anger. It was extreme sadness. Extreme sadness. Um, and I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was seeing video of. I mean, we've, I think we've heard stories like this that maybe were written about, but to, to, to see it just absolutely broke my heart. And I, later on, I called Peter and I said, Hey, Peter, we got to talk about this. Like, can we record tonight? And you hadn't seen the video when I first reached out. So what, what was your, what was your reaction? Yeah, I, uh, man, I I felt, the only word that I can conjure up to explain the emotion that I felt was discombobulated. <laughs> like, I honestly couldn't imagine this being 2020. Um, this seems like something that would have happened, you know, many years ago. Um, it's hard for me not to take this story extremely personal, because uh, Ahmad Aubrey was a 25-year-old um, black man, uh, which is really f similar uh, 
to where I'm at. And so I, I immediately put myself in it, in those shoes, whether that's okay or not. I immediately begin to think about the family who just lost a son. And I just can't believe this is the world we live in. This is the America we live in. I was telling Ryan, um, and I'm telling you, man, like I, I, this doesn't seem like the simple things we always talk about, love and kindness and be courteous to people. Like that is not real in a lot of parts of our world. That's scary. It's scary that my kids are growing up in a world where running in your neighborhood could be considered a dangerous activity. I mean, yeah. I think people are still asking the question. We've been asking it for a long time. And man, is, is racism real in America? Is it is it still act is it still alive today? Um man, I still I don't know. I'm shook up by it, Ryan, for real. A lot of emotions right now. What do you, what do you think? What, what do you say to that person that says, is this still a reality today? Man, it's absolutely a reality. I mean, I, I think for some that would go, this is how all white people feel about all black people. Therefore, this is how all black people should feel about white people. I think that's, that's vastly inaccurate and an incorrect way of living. But there is definitely racism that exists in America. There's, 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 I, I don't, I really don't even know how that's, that, that's a, that's a question now as far as who that is and who we point the finger at to decide who is that and who isn't, um, I think is, is, is a whole nother conversation, but I, I definitely think it, it exists. And I think, you know, what's so interesting is we've all been consumed with COVID-19. And now it's like we're we're slowly getting back to, oh, yeah, there's other stuff that's going on. Because he was actually killed in February. And COVID got a lot of the attention of... Uh, Activists weren't able to rally in the streets. Um, the judicial system virtually is shut down, just like everything else. Uh, I read that there can't even be a grand jury till maybe mid June, um, and so uh, there. So we just didn't get the press uh, that it got over the last four days, and you, you, you're you're just. It's like you're coming out of this this corona vortex and coming back to regular life and we realize man there are so many other issues going on in our world besides COVID-19 man and it, it, it is heartbreaking my heart breaks for uh, his family his friends um, you know ev everyone that is impacted by this because it's a <laughs> dude <laughs> For the last week, I've been encouraging everyone to go running. Right. And like tomorrow morning, I'm like, do I do I even tell people to continue to exercise? Do I tell black people, y'all don't exercise, but everybody like it's just a very bizarre thing. Like you you would think. Like running, like, I mean, go for a jog, 
outside right. in your neighborhood, you you would just think that that's not that's that's not a crazy thing. And um, at the core of it, Ryan, like I think that um, we all kind of started to feel like we were experts on crisis because we were surviving Corona. Um, we were doing it, and we were coming up with routines and. Um, I guess the question, man, I, you know, I have for you, I think a lot of people would have it, is how do you even process something like this? I mean, th- you talk about the word vortex. This is a crisis within a crisis. I mean, and just the fact that you said this happened in February, now do I not only feel the sadness, but I feel so uninformed. And honestly, I feel like I'm not able to contribute to the conversations because it's like, hey, this has been happening for, a, this happened a while ago, bro. Where were you? You know what I mean? So how do how do we process this? How are people supposed to process this? I think when we begin to process this, you know, I think what we have to do is, I think we have to give people the opportunity to do something that I don't think that we're very comfortable doing, and that's lamenting. Lamenting. And, and lamenting is, is simply this idea of, of really like grieving a loss and, and actually allowing people to feel what they feel, allowing someone to be righteously angry, allowing someone to be sad, allowing someone to be afraid to go running. And, and I think, you know, tr- trying to process it, I think we have to just really be there for each other more than trying to come up with answers to the questions. And why do people feel like they have to give answers? You know what I mean? Why is it so uncomfortable for people to hear someone lament and go, yeah, that sucks? Like, you know, and I, and I, and I feel this in myself too. Like, you know, I'm like, Oh, I I think I have an answer for you. And it's like, no, like nobody wants answers at this time. We just want to be, you know, in the moment, present, sad. (laughs) Man, you know, I I think, I think people like closure. I, I think people want to feel like, okay, there's a happy ending. And sometimes it's not a happy ending. And sometimes people die. So sometimes it's it's a there there is no happy ending for this man's family. For crying out loud, you know, um, you know it's it's a it's it's a really tough thing, you know. And and I think you know I think it's during times like. These, I think so many people feel like, you know, the events of 2016 between the election, Black Lives Matter coming on the scene, police brutality getting highlighted in the news more than ever. I think people were kind of like, man, we're tired of this race conversation. We're, we're, we're sick of talking about this. And it, it was just like, oh, this is getting played out. Okay, you're just yapping on Twitter. You know, but I, I don't I don't think that we should ever lose our empathy for any group of people that are in pain, 
period. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that day should ever exist. Do I think that we should be talking about race every single day, every opportunity that we get? No, but I do think it should be an ongoing conversation that is a part of our inclusive cultures that we want to create personally and professionally. And, and it's just, it's moments like these where, um, you know, it's, 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 it's very odd, Peter. Like I'm, I'm not legit afraid to go running in my neighborhood, but I've, it, it is pretty crazy that I have to think about it. Right. right. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah, I, I have to think twice, like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to go run in my, and then you, I'm already deciding, do I run in the morning? Do I run midday? I mean, it's going to be pretty hot. You know, I'm already calculating my run, how far, all of that. But to also have to think about, oh, man, I better watch my back. <laughs> like, it's, 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 just, it's just a weird thought. And now, and now here's the reality, Pete. I'm going running tomorrow. Like, I, I am. I'm not. I'm not going. I'm, I'm not afraid to go running in my neighborhood but it's just it's just a weird day when you have to be aware of running in your neighborhood because as african-american children you have to be taught how to get pulled over and what to say what not to say do whatever they say you know you you kind of have getting pulled over training as a young African-American. I don't want to have to have running in my neighborhood training. <laughs> That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Um, but you know what? The, the reason I want to talk about this with you um, today is because I really just wanted to um, encourage people to do two things. One, uh, I wanted to encourage people to lament and to feel whatever it is that they feel. If they feel sad, then be sad. If they feel angry, then, then be angry. If they feel fearful, then, then maybe sit in that for a little bit. Like truly lament the moment. I think you said it best earlier. Like be present in this moment and allow yourself to feel the feels because sometimes that's good for us. The second thing I want to encourage people to do is to allow others to lament because it's so easy to take shots at each other on social media. It's so easy to brush it off, sweep it under the rug, make offensive comments, and sort of be cyber bullies as it pertains to some of these issues. But I, I think probably the number one question that I get in seasons like this, anytime something makes the news is what can I do? Because I think we all know something's wrong and I think we all want to see something changed but most of us are not lawmakers. Most of us are not politicians. 
most of us, uh, we have a social media account and sometimes we feel like, all right, if I just do, if I just say it, call it out, then I've kind of done my, my part. And, and maybe there's, there's some truth in that. Uh, what I also would encourage people to do is reach out to anyone you think would be impacted by this news. Reach out and, and probably ask them this question. Hey, I saw what happened on the news. It's awful. That sucks. Hey, how are you processing it? Right. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's a simple question. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's an alternative way to asking someone, how are you doing? Right. And, and I get that sometimes white friends can kind of walk on eggshells with black friends and go, ah, I, I, I feel like no matter what I say, I'm going to say the wrong thing. But sometimes saying nothing is the wrong thing. Right. So and, true. Does that make sense? Like sometimes it's just like you, you sending a text, you call, and again, I, I'm, I'm not saying think of every black friend you have right now and call them. Okay. Right. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I am saying be very, very thoughtful and intentional during this time and, and just go, you know what? Who in my world do I think would feel this the most? Right. I agree. And ask them how they're processing it. And this is not about agreeing with how they're processing it. This is not a, man, I, I feel that too. Like, this isn't a, well, I, I agree with your viewpoint on this. It, it, it's really not about that. I think at this point, it's, it's, us going, it's us, number one, lamenting ourselves and processing that in whatever way you're processing that. But secondly, allowing someone else to process in the way that they want to process it and, um, and not judge them for it being a different way than how you processed it. Does that make sense? Yeah, agreed. If you want to, I, I would say this to people, if you want to contribute uh, mm -hmm. to the moment, um, get involved in people's mess. And mm -hmm. That's good. It, like that, that to me is do unto others as you would have them do to you. And I think if we were right. to get in, to continue to put ourselves in a position to, to really just help each other and encourage each other. And, and I love what you said, man. If you want to help again, contribute to this moment, like take care of the people in your sphere of influence, right? Like, like right. again, look around and say who could have potentially been acted affected by this and they and i've learned this before this is the path of deeper relationship is someone expresses hurt uh or someone gets hurt they express that hurt someone comforts them and then attachment begins to form and a relationship is started and so uh if you're a person who is interested in, in continuing to build people and build the moment and take care of people and lead yo get involved in people's mess Get involved in the mess and let them be who they are, where they are with your permission. And what I mean by that is like people don't necessarily need your permission, but it always feels good to have it. You know, what's interesting is um, I just I just spoke at a leadership conference um, a couple of days ago called Orange Conference. And I was talking about 
lamenting and <laughs> was definitely not thinking about this. Um, I was actually talking about lamenting the time of COVID-19, um, but obviously it, it certainly applies. I wanna briefly talk with you about something I think every leader needs to adopt during a crisis. I wanna talk to you about the thing, if done well, can completely shift how we lead and will help us become the leaders others want to follow. That thing is lamenting. Lamenting. It is a, a Bible word, but it's a Bible word that leaders aren't good at. I'm not good at. I'm much better at talking than I am listening. I'm much better at quoting what I read in a book more than I am sitting with someone in their pain. I don't just do this with other pains. I do it with mine. I'm a professional at giving myself a pep talk. I, I don't take time to feel a whole lot. I'm an Enneagram three. Shocker, right? I'm all about progress. And the tough lesson I'm learning about progress and moving forward is that sometimes as a leader, we have to sit with pain without a plan. One of the least preached and studied books in the Bible might be the book of Lamentation, written by an anonymous poet that serves as a memorial for God's people following the fall of Jerusalem when Israel was overthrown by the Babylonians and thrown into exile. Uh, there are uh, five chapters in this book, and they voice where God's people were at. They, prote they protested. There's a lot of something's wrong, God, where are you in Lamentations? Uh, they process their emotion. There's a lot of venting in Lamentations. There's a lot of confusion in Lamentations. In fact, here is a short excerpt from the fifth chapter, starting in verse 15. They said, joy has left our hearts. Our dancing has turned into mourning. Verse 17 says, our hearts are sick and weary and our eyes grow dim with tears. And then there's a shift in the text. Verse 19, it says, But Lord, you remain the same forever. Your throne continues from generation to generation. And then there's another shift back. It says, Why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us for so long? And then, again, I have a feeling they can't actually tell you for certain what God was up to either way. Verse, verses 21 and 22 says, Restore us, O Lord. Bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Verse 22 says, Or have you utterly rejected us? Are you angry with us still? And that's it. That's how the anonymous poet ends the story. The book of Lamentations ends with questions, not answers. In a world searching for answers, may we be leaders that pause long enough to know why they're searching in the first place. May we pause long enough to understand their questions. May we pause long enough to sit with their pain. And if I'm honest, I think the only way we'll acquire the skill of lamenting and sitting with others' pain is if we sit with our own. We don't need to feel the pressure to have answers to everybody's questions. 
In fact, I think sometimes we should just lean into the questions. And, and sometimes questions are better than answers. And so I, I think the best thing that we can do is we can lament ourselves and allow others in our world to lament as well and to check in with each other. And the reality is, Peter, this is not something that just black people are affected by. Um, people are affected by this. And so I think for us to just check in with one another, anybody that we think is impacted by this, if we see somebody post about it, man, shoot them a text, be intentional. Hey, how, how are you, man, are you good? You need, you need to talk, how, how, how are you processing it? Man, this, this, this just sucks. And sometimes we just need to sit there for a little bit. Yeah, let me say one last thing. Yeah. You know, I, I heard a lot of people say this, and I know the intention of their heart is they're they're trying to be relatable, um, friendly, um, a good neighbor. And they'll say things like, you know what, Peter, I don't see color. <laughs> they say, I don't mm -hmm. see color. And I think what me and you are talking about tonight is, is seeing color. Um, mm -hmm. Is not saying I don't see it as into act like I am uh, unaware of who you are and what you reflect. But to say, no, I see it and I stand by you um, in your moments. I'm there to cheer with you in your good moments and your sad moments. I'm there to cry with you. I'm ready to lean in to whatever emotion you express because I value your humanity. I value your individualism. I value who you are. And so I encourage our viewers, man, see color, stand by your neighbor, um, yeah. let people lament, man. I love what you said. I think that's super helpful today. And uh, it shifts my perspective. Like you said, man, this isn't just about um, Black people. All people are affected like that by this. And uh, we have an opportunity um, as, a, as a people to move forward um, in a direction mm -hmm. that could potentially be better for our children. So uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to uh, episode three of uh, LifeCast with Ryan Leak. And uh, thank you so much, Peter, for jumping on uh, late <laughs> to, re to record this one. If you found this episode to be helpful, uh, please rate, share with a friend, and subscribe. And uh, we'll see you next time on LifeCast with Ryan Leak.